Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. I didn't know how to, in, how to title this, this message. And I always figure, you know, I've got bad titles and good messages. But uh, I've kind of entitled this one Driven by Eternity or maybe uh, The Wisdom of Solomon. Solomon, an interesting, interesting individual. Uh, he was the wisest man apart from Jesus that ever lived. He was the richest man that ever lived and the greatest achiever of his generation. And what kind of drove all that is found in 1 Kings chapter 3. Normally, you know, you come and, and you would offer a burnt offering to the Lord. But, but Solomon, uh, he comes and he offers a thousand burnt offerings. It's kind of like this super extravagant gift, all right? And then the Bible says that the Lord appears to him at night in a dream. After he gives this extravagant gift, God appears to him and says, hey, Solomon, what, whatever you want, I'm going to do that for you. Well, well, Solomon in the dream, he says, God, what I want is I want wisdom. I want wisdom so that I'll be able to be a great ruler, a good ruler for your people. And then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and not asked for yourself long life, nor asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you've asked for yourself an understanding and discerning heart. God says, I'm going to give you wisdom and understanding like no one has ever had before you, nor will come after you like you. And I'm also going to give you riches and honor that there shall not be anyone like you among all the kings all the days of your life. Uh, you know the story. The queen of Sheba comes because she's heard about his wisdom. And she comes and she sees what Solomon has accomplished through the wisdom that God gave him. And, and the, she says, you know, the half of it wasn't even told me. So he's the, he's the wisest. He's the greatest achiever. He's the, he's the richest. But yet in spite of all of that, God appears to him in a dream. In fact, twice God appears to him. Yet he disobeys God and he marries a thousand times. And not only does he marry so much, but, but he marries women that are, are worshipers of idols. And the, the Bible says that his wives, they turn his heart away from God. Now, Solomon writes three books in your Bible. The Song of Solomon, the book of Proverbs, and the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, what has happened is this, because we're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes today. Now, this is probably the hardest book in the Bible to understand. Solomon, who walked with God, turns away from God in his heart and then comes back to God. And the key phrase in this particular book is under the sun, under the sun, 29 times, under the sun, under the sun. In other words, he's looking at things not as a spiritual man, but he's looking at things as a natural man. He says, if you just look under the sun and you don't consider the spiritual side of things much, he says, here's what you see. And so he tells, he literally, in chapter two, he gives his testimony. Uh, you know, sometimes we think to talk to somebody, we need to know a lot of theology. But the truth is, your story, your story will touch other people's lives. Because what, what happened in your life happens to millions and millions of other people. 
But Solomon gives his story, and this is what he says. He said, I tested myself with pleasure to find out what was good, but what also approved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does it accomplishment accomplish? So he says, I trusted myself. He says, I went after pleasure. He said, I went after laughter or, or, or comedy. He said, and I, I gave myself to pleasure and I, I went after comedy. He said, and, and I was partying and I was having a good time. And he said, and it was madness. And it accomplished nothing. It didn't fulfill me. He said in the third verse, I cheered myself with wine and I embraced folly. Uh, basically, he tried alcohol. He tried drugs. He says, hey, they just legalized marijuana. I thought I'd give it a try. He said, and all of that, he said, was empty. It did not fulfill me. In verses four and five, he says, you know, I undertook great projects. Man, he built the temple which was one of the wonders of the world. Then he says, I built great houses for myself and I planted vineyards and I had gardens and parks and I planted all kinds of fruit trees. He does all these great things. And he says, I thought when I built something great that, that it would fulfill me, but he says, no, that was empty also. In verse six, he said, I, I made myself reservoirs of water and groves of flourishing trees. He, he built his own sandy pines. Put his cottage out there. He says, you know, I thought that helped. He said, but you know, even that left me empty. He says, I brought male and female slaves. I had slaves born in my house. I also owned more herds, more flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. He says, I became richer than anybody. You ever heard of keeping up with the Joneses? Solomon was the Joneses. Right? Because he had everything and nobody had the wealth that he had. He said, I amassed silver and gold to myself, the treasures of kings and provinces. He said, I got what you get when you're a plutocrat. When you got so much money, you don't know what to do. He said, when you want to have something nobody else has. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe nowadays you, you buy a, a piece of art for $200 million. I'd just say, give me a copy, right? But he says, I got those things that, 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 that kings have, that they get what nobody else could have. In fact, what he actually did besides the art of his day, he got apes and peacocks because nobody else had them. And he, he said, man, come look what I've got that nobody else has seen. He said, and, and female and male singers, he had live music every day, the best in the world at the time. And then he said, a harem as well, the delight of a man's heart. He says, I just gave myself all the sex that you can imagine. I'm getting married, married, married a thousand times. Listen, I got 19 grandkids. I have a hard time remembering their names. <laughs> can you imagine a thousand spouses? What a mess. What a mess. All right. So he says, I just, I just had sex, 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 sex. And more. I mean, like at three times a day, it'd be take you a year to get through. I mean, and you know what he said? He said, Oh, that didn't do it either. I thought it would. I thought that's what I needed, but that didn't do anything either. Right? Then he says, I became greater by far than anybody in Jerusalem before me. So he is famous. 
He has got 7 billion followers on social media. And he thought, that, I thought that'd do it. He said, but that didn't do it either. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. And I refused my heart no pleasure. And he said, that didn't do it either. You see, so often we think, if I just get this, I will be satisfied. Well, here's the guy who got it. Everything his heart desired. And he said, but it did not fulfill me. He said, this is the conclusion of the matter. He said, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. But his testimony was this. I was famous. I tried everything. I was richer than anybody. I got everything and none of it fulfilled me. He wrote this in, in Proverbs 11. He said, a life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A life devoted to things is a dead life. It's a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. Jesus said, beware of covetousness because the man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. And we can think that things are going to fulfill us, but things never, ever bring satisfaction. They never fulfill us. So I thought we'd take a look at a few of the things that Solomon observed. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. He says, if you love money, no matter how much you get, you'll want more. And here's the thing. The more we get, the more we want. The more you get, the more you think, if I just get to this spot, but then you get there and it doesn't satisfy, so you, you, you move the goalpost. And you say, well, if I could get here. But then if you get there, what you're going to find is that's not enough, right? No matter how much we have, we want more. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with their income. And the more we have, listen, the less it satisfies because stuff does not satisfy. Jesus said, be careful because your life does not consist in the abundance of the things you possess. You might think that that thing or that amount will satisfy. But Solomon says, look, I got all those things and I had all those amounts and I passed all those amounts and it didn't matter. He said, it did not satisfy. But the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of riches and what the deceitfulness of riches will tell every one of us. It will say, if you could just get this and if you could just have that amount, then you'd be satisfied. But you won't be. He says, the more you get, the more you want. If you love it, the more you get, the more you want. Verse nine it says, from the increase of the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast their eyes on them? So he says, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. We can say it like this. The more we have, the more others will come after it, including the government. The more you have, the more others will come after. He said, bottom line, he says, all that stuff that you get, 
the only benefit that it has is that you can look at it. He says, but it doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't give you purpose. It doesn't satisfy. Right? What benefits are good except to the owner? He says, except to feast your eyes on them. The more we have, the more we realize it does us no good. Right? And the more we have, the more we have to take care of. You see, you have it and you got to clean it. You got to insure it. You got to use it. You got to tune it. You got to store it. You got to winterize it. The more you have every little thing that we get, it's like it's got a ball and chain along with it. Verse 12, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he's little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance does not permit them to sleep. Their abundance does not permit them to sleep. The more we have, Solomon says, the more we have to worry about. I could lose it. It could be stolen. What if it breaks? And then there's the whole thing. So often what people do is they identify themselves. Their identity is in their stuff. So that if they lose their stuff, they lose their identity. You hear about people in a crash who take their life because their identity was wrapped up in their stuff. And Solomon says, you know what? The more that you have, the more you have to lose the more you have to be stolen, the more you have to worry about, the more stuff you have to identify yourself with. Right? Here's the truth. God's going to take care of you. Jesus said, God even takes care of the sparrows and the lilies of the field. He said, they're here today, they're gone tomorrow, but even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. I, I remember when uh, Jeannie and I first went to Mexico we hadn't even been married a year yet. We were finishing up our, I think we've been here about nine months. We went to Mexico. Uh, we got there. We had a little bit of money. It ran out after about three months. In fact, I remember the day. By this time, we started a little church. Uh, I was supposed to preach this particular evening. Uh, Jeannie fixed a meal. Do you remember that meal, honey? You, you, could, you could give us the ingredients. We had pancakes. But all the stuff wasn't there. And, and I didn't tell you at the time, but they were not any good. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was not, it was not good. So I'm supposed to go preach. We're broke. This is how broke we are. Our, our, our car is sitting in the driveway, in the carport. But I don't have enough gas to get to church. It, it costs eight cents to take a bus. I don't have eight cents. So I remember we ate that meal. I'm supposed to go preach. I can't get to church. I'm walking in the, in the hallway in the house, and, and I remembered listening to missionary Wayne Myers. And he says, when things are really bad, that's when God moves. I remembered him saying that. And so I said, God, this is what Wayne said. And I said, God, that's now. <laughs> I think things are bad. That was a bad meal. No money to get to church. Right. Now, about that time, there's a knock on the door. Open the door, and there's Guillermo. Excuse me, it was Rogelio. Rogelio's there, and uh, he says, he says, uh, he says, Pastor, do you need a ride to church? Now, listen, I have been doing this 45 years. This is the only time anybody 
ever asked me if I needed a ride to church. And I said, well, yes, I do. So we get in his Volkswagen bug. We drive to church. We get out. We walk in. There's two or three dozen people there already. And uh, a fella, I thought, I think I've seen this guy before. Never saw him since. He walks up to me and, and he says in perfect English, he said, I feel led to give you $20. I said, I feel led to receive them. Look <laughs> <laughs> what I said. <laughs> now, now, the next day, I'm supposed to go to the airport because the missionary before us had invited three evangelists from California. And I'm supposed to go pick up these three evangelists. Right? But I don't even have money in the car to get to the airport. So I take that 20 bucks and I get it converted to pesos and I give half to Jeannie. I take the other half, get it in the car, and I'm off to the airport to go pick up the three evangelists. So Jeannie, I said, you go to the vegetable market. So she walked to the market. And uh, at that time, particularly in Mexico, in Mexico, you could get quite a few vegetables and quite a bit of fruit for 10 bucks. Right? So she gets all those that, that vegetables and fruit and she gets back to the house and she's putting stuff in the refrigerator and she's like, you know, we'll have vegetable salad for lunch. We'll have fruit salad for dinner and we'll have fruit salad for breakfast. And, you know, she says, I'm putting it away and I'm trying to figure everything out. And I remember her saying this to me. She said, I started to cry. She says, and as I start to cry, it's the knock on the door again. And uh, a lady was there and she said, uh, my, my husband and I, we just felt like God wanted us to bring you some groceries. And she uh, danced out to the car and Jeannie says, I kind of danced after her. She says, and she came in with five or six bags full of meat and flour and sugar and milk and cheese and about everything you could think of. Do you know, God knows what you need. He'll take care of you. And remember, Jesus said, pray, give us today our daily bread. What we need today. We always, we, we want it for five years ahead, don't we? But God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Ecclesiastes 5.13. I've seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner. Hoarded to the harm of its owner. You know, we live in a society that this is the philosophy. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the king. That's the philosophy. But listen, here's what Solomon said. The more you have, the more you can hurt yourself by holding on to all that you have. This is how it puts it in Proverbs, Solomon again, Proverbs 11. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Now listen, every time something comes into your hand or my hand, there's part of it that's for you, but there's a part of it that's not for you. There's a part of it that you're supposed to sow, that you're supposed to give. And the Bible says when you keep what you should give. I mean, there's some of it you, the Bible says you should give. It says it doesn't help you. It says you suffer want. You see, because the joy, the purpose, the significance that comes when you sow, you miss out on it. The Message Bible says it this way. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. 
but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Every time something comes in your hand, there's a part of it that's for you, but there's a part of it that's not for you. See, and when you take what's in your hand and you release it and sow it, then God releases what he has in his hand. You release something towards God. God releases something towards you. Now, I know there's people who would say to you, well, you give God $10, he'll give you $100. I don't necessarily believe that. That he, he could. But how many of you know there's a lot of other ways he can bless you? I mean, he can bless your marriage. Uh, he, he can bless your health. He can give you peace in your mind. God can bless you in a thousand different ways. But when you release what you have, God releases something he has towards you. So really, we can say it like this. What you release leaves your hand, but not your life. Because it's going to go into your future. And God's going to bless it. And God's going to bring it back in some form into your life. In Proverbs 3, Solomon again wrote, and he says, Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruits of all of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. He's saying, you release what you have towards God and God releases what he has in his hand towards you. Ecclesiastes 5, 14. Wealth loss through some misfortune. He said, I've seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth loss through some misfortune. Uh, the more we have, the more we potentially can lose which is why Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you take a $20 bill, that $20 bill is temporary. It's not eternal. It's going, to, it's going to perish. But once you take it and you put it in the kingdom of God, that thing that was temporary, it becomes eternal. Because now Jesus said, you've taken it and you've sown it into the kingdom of God. And he says, now, he says, it's in a place where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Jesus said, we can't serve God and mammon or money. We serve our money or we Use money to serve God. We can serve it or we can use it to serve God. Now, I want to say again, money is not evil at all. It's not money that's evil. It's the love of it that's evil. It's when we put our trust and our confidence in it. That's when it becomes evil. Solomon again, verse 15. Everyone comes naked from his mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hand. This too is a grievous evil. And everyone comes, everyone comes, so they depart. In other words, you come with nothing in your hand and you leave with nothing in your hand. Here's what Solomon said. The more we have, the more we leave behind. The more we have, the more we leave behind. But Jesus said, you can send it ahead. You can send it ahead. Paul talked about this in Philippians chapter four. I think this is, is to me, this is where I really came to understand what Solomon was talking about and even what Jesus was talking about. In Philippians 4, in verse 15, Paul said, You Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, 
when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in giving and receiving, except you only. So Paul is going out on missionary journeys. He's winning the lost and he's starting churches. And this church, he says, you're the only ones who sent me offerings, who helped me financially so that I could do it. Now, notice what he said, giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. You see, we tend to think we're giving. But Paul said, every time you give, what are you going to do? You're going to receive. It's not just what you give, because when you let go of something in your hand, God lets go of something in his hand. You're, you're sowing, but God is sowing, right? And you receive as well, right? Verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again to my necessities. Now listen to this verse, not that I seek the gift. How many have ever heard somebody say, all the church wants is your money? I've heard a lot of people say that. But look what Paul said. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Here's what Paul's saying. You guys have financed the gospel. People have gotten saved. Churches have gotten started. Every person that got saved, every person that got delivered, every person that got forgiven, every church that got started, it goes on your heavenly account. He's saying what your money did in God's economy, you did. What your money did in God's economy, you did. Many of you sowed to rescue Christians that were being persecuted out of Afghanistan. You say the church did that. No, in God's economy, you did that. You did that. And, and he's saying that goes in your heavenly account. Jesus said it's where inflation doesn't touch, where there's no thieves, where there's no, 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 no uh, inflation, where, where there's no rust, where you cannot lose it. And said, indeed, I have all in abound. I'm full. Having received from Epaphrodites the things sent from you. Here he describes how God sees our offerings. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. What is it when we sow into the kingdom of God? A sweet-smelling aroma. It's an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You know, sometimes we only want to give what's convenient to give, what's easy to give. But notice Paul said, it's a sacrifice. He says, and when it is, it's well-pleasing to God. One more thought from Solomon. Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1. He said, cast your bread upon the waters. And after many days, it will come back to you again. So often what we think is we'll do something today and have a harvest tomorrow. But how many of you know you plant an apple seed, you don't get an apple the next day or the next week or even the next month? See, but when that apple seed grows, there's going to come a time. There's going to be apples. And he says, when you take and you sow into the kingdom of God, it's like casting your bread on those waters. He said, after many days, it will come back to you again. Right? Um, Jeannie and I were, were missionaries in Mexico for, for seven years. As the, the time was coming to a close, God had spoken to my heart about coming to Grand Rapids and pastoring a church. And we were getting ready to do that. In fact, a few months before we had actually 
purchased 10 acres out in Ellendale, $13,000. Can't do that anymore, can you? Right? And we signed a contract with a, with a builder who was going to uh, help us build a house. And I think that house was like $50,000 and all. But we had to give him the down payment when we got back from Mexico. Well, all our money was tied up in a vehicle that Janie drove. Now, in the, in the early 80s in Mexico, there were just tremendous taxes on vehicles. And so vehicles were extremely expensive. Uh, a Ford LTD in early 1983 was $50,000 American. And we had bought Janie a vehicle because I was often gone for three days at a time. And that vehicle represented, period, our net worth. It was that vehicle. So I was just talking to the Lord. This is a few months before we're going to leave. Probably two and a half months, three months. And I was just saying, Lord, you know, talking about the ministry that we had there, the church that we were helping to start, the Bible school we were teaching in, talking about coming back to Grand Rapids. And and I, I had this thought. Now, we're helping Vicky and Chewy Olivares start a church. Now, this church is about six, seven months old, about 400 people. And Vicky and Chewy do not have a car. They take a bus everywhere. And I know they don't have a car. And, and I have this thought as I'm praying, like, give them the car. And I thought, that's stupid. <laughs> we can't do that. You know, I just kind of, no, you know, that, that, that can't be right. But, but it kept coming. Have you ever have a thought that just kept coming? You know? And after a while, I, I thought, I think this is God. So I very carefully explained it to God why we could not do that. Because he said, you need to keep your word. And I'd given my word and I'd sign a contract and this was the money and we couldn't do it. And so I explained it very carefully and, and he did not understand. So you say, what'd you do? I put the car up for sale. You say, what happened? Nothing. It was like our car had AIDS. Nobody wanted, I'm serious. Nobody, genies, this is not true. Nobody wanted our car. Nobody even came and looked at our car. You say, so what'd you do? I dropped a price. I mean, like, we, we got to have this. Isn't, we got to have this money. So I'm going to preach for Chewy Thursday night. I get there early. I'm walking back and forth in front of the, 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 the platform, and, and I'm talking to God about the service. And I says, no, God, you know, we're going to give an invitation at the end, and we're believing for you to touch people's lives. We're believing for you, God, to grant people repentance, for people to get saved. You know, and you talk to God, but then you're, I mean, you know, you're supposed to be quiet and listen. So I'm quiet, and, 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 and I, I, it was not audible, but it, I mean, I knew exactly what God said to me, and the car. Well, I didn't want to talk about the car. That's why I said, God, after the service, we're going to lay hands on the sick. And your word says lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. And we believe in you today for people to be healed and people to be delivered and cancers to disappear. And, and I'm talking to God about it and then I'm quiet. And you know what he said? The car. And, and I remember this as clear as a bell. I said, God, I'm cornered. If I do not surrender the car, this is going to be the worst service I have ever been in. I said, okay. I said, when the service is over, I'll talk to Chewy 
And I'll tell him we're going to get him and Vicky the car. Okay. Great service, by the way. We're walking out afterwards, we're on the sidewalk. And, and I said, to, I said to, to Chewy, I said, Chewy, I said, to, you know Jeannie's car? And he says, uh, you mean the blue one with the shiny wheels? I says, uh, yeah, yeah, that one. He says, oh, that's a really nice car. I said, uh, you know, in a, about a month or so, Jeannie and I are going to be leaving Mexico. And Jeannie and I, we want to give you and Vicky that car. I think I lied because I wasn't really wanting to. <laughs> Somebody said, God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, but he just loves givers, <laughs> even if you're not cheerful. Right? I said, I said uh, we're going to give you that car. And I, th- seriously, he stopped. He starts, he sticks his hands up in the air. Hallelujah. Gracias a Dios. Hallelujah, Señor. Bendito sea su nombre. He says, Hallelujah. And he's stomping his foot. And I thought, whoa. And he turned to me and he said, I've known that for about six weeks. <laughs> Absolutely serious. That's how long I've been trying to sell it, about six weeks. <laughs> well, in the natural, that put us in a position that, that there was just no way we could fulfill. And to this day, I do not know how God did that. But when we got back, we met with the builder. We had the money in our hand. Three and a half years later, that wasn't an expensive house. I think the whole thing cost like $60,000. But when you're only making 20000 how many know 60 is a ton? Three and a half years later, that house was paid for. Now, we let go of something in our hand. And I believe with all my heart, God let go of a blessing that he had in his hand. And when you sow, it leaves your hand, but not your life. It leaves your hand, but it does not leave your life. But would you bow your heads for just a moment? I know in a group of this size, there are always people in every type of a spiritual condition. There's people here, you've lived for God for 50 years, but there's people here today that you've never surrendered your life. You've been living for yourself all your life. And there's others of you, you're away from God. You've just been going your own way. You see, salvation is not about what you know in your head. Salvation is about what's going on in your heart. See, and, and my question to you is, have you given your heart and your life to Jesus? Have you turned away from living for yourself, turned away from the things that you know are not right and pleasing to God? And you said, God, I give you my life. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, and I'm going to live for you. You see, he's the one who died for you, shed his blood, and purchased your salvation. But you need to receive what he's done for you. You need to give him all of your heart, all of your life, and turn your back on living for yourself. So I'm gonna ask you, if you're away from God, you're not right with God, I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer together. But before we do, if you came with someone, would you please take their hand? Take their hand, we're gonna pray this prayer out loud. I want you to make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe that Jesus' blood paid for my sin. And I believe he rose again. 
and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I turn my back on my old life. I'm not living to please myself any longer. Jesus is my king. And I'm going to live for him. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That I am forgiven. That I'm a part of your kingdom. A new person on the inside. And I am yours today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.